Hey, V1 Queens, how are you doing today? Can you make some noise at me right now? Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate everything that God has done in this service already. Now, listen, I'm going to ask for your permission to get a little rowdy during this message because it's, because it's Holy Spirit part two. And I'm going to ask that you give me your undivided attention because I know that I know that in that movie theater, in Queens, God is going to do something that he could not do any other way. As a matter of fact, I want you to take your phone out. I want you to tap on the V1 Church app right now. If you haven't downloaded the app, take a few seconds and do it. Okay, just search V1 Church in your app store. If you have the app downloaded, open up the app. Down at the bottom, tap where it says Sermons. And then I want you to tap on sermon notes and I want you to cue that up because I've got the notes for this message all ready for you uh, with the scriptures and fill in the blanks, whatever you need. Now, the second thing I want you to understand is the power of a broadcast. I have to be incredibly spirit-led about every single decision I make for our church. Now, having done that for the last two and a half years, we went from 18 people to literally hundreds and hundreds of people. We went from a house in Huntington, New York, uh, on Long Island, to three locations in two and a half years. And I say that with all seriousness, it's a very sacred thing to make decisions for our church about how we proceed. And last week, while I was in Queens with you last week, I had a broadcast that was playing on Long Island. And while that broadcast message was going out, all of a sudden, uh, there's a young man, and this is one of the most incredible stories that our church has so far. But I want to show you the power of what can happen during moments like you're having right now with the broadcast. He literally is watching the broadcast message and demons in his mind are telling him, and if I freaked you out by just saying demons, welcome to church. Demons were telling him, you have wanted to kill yourself for a long time. Today is the day. Look around this auditorium. No one loves you. No one cares about you. And today is the day. Now is the time. Stop listening to this preacher and go home and end your life. And as he was being tortured by those voices in literally a fever pitch, it hit that point where he couldn't take it anymore. Through the broadcast, I said prophetically, stop listening to the voices in your mind. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He is declaring the truth that Jesus is saying over you right now. And as I said that, it broke this demonic trance over him. Then he said, I've got to get free. He came to the evening service. We prayed for him and we cast multiple demons out of him Sunday night and he is free. Come on, V1 Queens, let's lift it up for Jesus. Man, and I'll tell you what, that is just the beginning of what can happen in a broadcast. Satan knows the power of a broadcast. He uses it for all kinds of stuff. So let's let God do what only he can do in the next 20 minutes with this message. So now that you got your phones open, now that you're ready, I want you to understand if God can cancel a suicide with a broadcast, what can he do right now? And, and I want to say this, there's two types of people this message are for. The first one is maybe you're new to V1 Church. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you. As a matter of fact, we're a spiritual family, and you see every person of a different age, different color and background represented. We are a spiritual family because spirit is thicker than blood. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, I want to welcome you home. But then there's someone else that this is for. Maybe you've been a believer and you think you know the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor Mike, I've cast out demons in his name. Pastor Mike, I prophesied and preached his name. But I want to tell you this, come with fresh 
fresh ears. You know, listen, I prepared this, the word, the seed today, but only you can, pre- you can prepare your soil. And so prepare the soil of your heart to say, God, I want a fresh revelation and a fresh truth. I'm going to read some scriptures today that maybe you thought you've heard a million times, but God wants to give you a fresh perspective and a revelation on them today. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit is of utmost importance. Last thing I want to announce before we really jump in tonight, everyone say tonight. Come on, let me hear you louder. Tonight, 40 Oak Drive in Syosset, Luke Munns, one of the founding members of Hillsong United, is actually going to be leading worship for V1 Church. He's a good friend of mine. And over the years, I've invested in his life. He's invested in mine. And when he was in New York City, he said, Pastor Mike, I want to be with V1 Church. And so tonight, I want you to bring your friends, get an Uber. I want you to make plans to jump into someone's car. I want you to do whatever it takes to get there to our Syosset location so that you can get what God's got for you there. And I believe it's going to be a powerful, powerful experience tonight at 7 p.m., All right, so turn to your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Now, here's the thing. I want to read this scripture to you, follow along in the notes in the app, and I want you to listen with fresh ears. But the fruit of the Spirit, capital S, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay, so keep scrolling in your notes, or uh, if you're in a Bible, I want you to just keep your hand there and then go to the other one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. So this is the second text that we're going to be dealing with today. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every single person under the sound of my voice. Like Catherine Kuhlman used to say, the Holy Spirit is more real than us because God, before there was anything, there was you. And after there is everything, there's you. So reveal who you are, your nature, the, the realness of who you are to every single person under the sound of my voice today. In Jesus' name, and V1 Queen said, Amen. Amen. Well, hey, listen, when you move in with someone, things get weird. Living with somebody is weird. I shared a little bit about what that was like in part one of this message last week. Please go to YouTube, search V1 Church, rewatch that. There's so much good meat in that sermon, but I shared a little bit about what it was like for two worlds to collide as Pastor Julie and I entered into our new marriage. But all these years later now, so it's been literally, we're coming up on like, I don't know, we debate 16, 17 years of living together. Uh, it's still weird. And here's the point. I told my wife, I was like, tell, tell me what it's like living with me. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, what are the weird things that people may not know? And she said, you know, you're really good at hard things and really bad at easy things. Like you could launch a multinational corporation out of our living room, but you're not doing the dishes. And the church said, amen. <laughs> and, and then some other things that are kind of weird is I don't mind the house being messy. I like to live life. I want to make memories. But if you mess with my closet, we're going to fight. OK, uh, some other things Julie said was I'm trying to think, uh, you know, just stupid stuff like, OK, I'm really going to out myself. I don't know why or when it started or if it's always been there. And I'm personally praying for deliverance over this. But every single time that I hear somebody eat with their mouth open, 
it enrages me. Like I start sweating like, oh, Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do because I, I, I know it's me. I know there's something defective in me that won't let people slobber and smack and crunch and do all those things that they do when they eat. I know it's something wrong with me and I pray, Holy Spirit, change me. But the reality is when people do that and you're at my house, the thing that it goes on in my mind is do I flip the table? Do I throw something? Do I physically jump out of my second story? window right now to save myself from this noise? Like, what do I do? Does anyone know what I'm talking about, V1 Queens? Um, that's what it's like living with me. And when you learn that, you, you change or you just deal with it, right? Now, my wife, I asked for her permission, so I don't want anyone to think that I'm about to ruin my marriage right now by doing this. But my wife, here's some weird things about her. She calls it cleaning, but it's literally her taking a garbage bag and just swiping my entire existence like into the garbage. Like she calls it cleaning, but it's throwing everything away. Like I have very little or no evidence that I was even alive for the last 16 years because it's gone. And I don't know why she does it, but she throws everything away. I thought I was losing my mind at one point And I was like, well, I swear I put this thing right there. And then I realized my wife threw it away. And that happens so many times and it drives me crazy. The other thing about Julie is uh, she's never been a chef. She, she always says you can taste the hate in the food as she's cooking it. <laughs> we were talking about meal prepping the other day and she was literally like, babe, we can save money. We don't have to go through some meal prep you know, company. I can just do it for you. And I was like, Jules, your food is disgusting. Like I will lose weight because I don't want to eat it. And she was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. And, uh, but the thing about Julie is she can go grocery shopping and she's going to buy every vegan dip imaginable, like, but not hamburger meat. Like literally it's like, if she's ever in critical condition, it's like they can just set her up with a drip IV of ranch and she will come back to life. That is my wife y'all. And so that's the weirdness of us living together. But see what happens is this, when two people cohabitate, they bring their individual preferences and they bring their individual culture. And then there has to be a melding together and someone has to choose to lose because your preferences are the enemy of your progress. So when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you, it is a culture clash. There's the way you want to live, the way you want to think, the way you want to talk. Nobody hears me preaching the way you want to do things. And then there's the way the Holy Spirit desires to think. The Holy Spirit desires to talk. The Holy Spirit desires to do things. And you have to make a decision about whether or not you are going to choose to lose, like I'm going to surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow him, I'm going to yield, that's the Bible calls yield, or I'm going to do everything the way I want to do it. And then the Holy Spirit is going to be grieved. This is going to be good for somebody. So listen, this is what you need to understand. When God takes out the trash, don't go digging back through it. Just trust him. Hmm. So we are living right now in the greatest time of history. And you're probably like, preacher, you're a liar. How could we be in the greatest time in history? You're telling me kids are starving in third world countries. You're telling me that we still have inequality in the United States. You're telling me that this is the greatest time in history. Now, listen, let me explain. Let me explain. If you were to go to Moses 
and say, Moses, what was it like to take the staff and strike the sea and see it part and lead an entire nation on dry ground? Jonah, it's so crazy. You prophesied to Nineveh and the entire country repented and was saved. David, I I mean, not only did did you take the sling out and knock him out, but you took the sword out of Goliath's sheath and cut his head off with it. Oh, that was amazing. What was that like? What was that like? And I believe that if you had that opportunity in heaven to ask them right now, they would give you a blank stare. And as they look back in your eyes, they'd say, that stuff was child's play. What was it like having the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you? And unfortunately for most of us as Christians, we couldn't even give a proper response because it's almost as if there's no difference having the Spirit of God inside of us. It's like the resources of heaven and everything that God offers is actually dwelling on the inside of us. And yet, sometimes it's as if it makes no difference. We still have our own weakness. We still have our own struggles that we deal with. And it's kind of like, what is the difference? You know, as we think about this, there were times in biblical history, listen to this, where only one person could hear from God during an entire generation. There's another time if you study biblical history that for a 400 year period, God only spoke to one person that we know of. And then all of a sudden in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit now is released into planet earth. And Peter now for the first time filled with the Holy Spirit begins to say, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about when he said that he'll pour out his spirit among all flesh. And suddenly somebody who just couldn't help but to fail every single test that Jesus gave him became empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the impossible. Church, listen to me, V1 Queens, there's something about the Holy Spirit that turns a failure into somebody that can do something great. There's something about the Holy Spirit that will empower somebody who's so normal to be able to do something so incredible with their life. I mean, I guess the question I'm asking you today is, do you know him? Do you know him? See, we live in this time where We have the ability to prophesy and to hear from God. Every single one of us, we are literally living in one of the greatest times in human history. And here's the thing. Jesus came so that you can have a personal relationship with God. And, you know, you might be asking the question right now, like a personal relationship with God, like, oh, pastor, believe me, I know I've been in ministry for years. I've heard that so many times, like a personal relationship with God. I get it, Billy Graham. But listen, if being in the same space, cohabitating with the Holy Spirit is anything, anything like a marriage, it's possible to live in the same space and yet have no intimacy It's possible to be in the same room as my wife and yet not be close to my wife. As a matter of fact, you see couples that go years and years cohabitating the same space, and yet they grow in distance from each other. The proximity never changes, but the intimacy changes. And there's so many of us, yeah, yeah, I heard about a personal relationship. But I guess the question I'm asking some of you who've been in it for a while is how personal is the relationship? Because you cannot have a personal relationship 
with someone through someone else. Oh, I love giving you a fiery word from God, but I can't be God for you and I can't help you know God any more than you're willing to enter into an intentional relationship with him. I mean, imagine we're like at a crowded party and as we're at a crowded party, I'm like, hey, you see that? That's my wife over there. Can you go ask her how many kids she wants to have? We have a couple. Maybe she wants a couple more. Can you go ask her for me? There'd be a point where you're like, dude, that's your wife. You're married to her. You go ask her. That's inappropriate for me. And there's times when people are like, Pastor Mike, will you pray uh, to God that he'll do this thing? Yeah, I'll do that. Yes, I'll pray for you. Yes, I believe in that. But what would happen if you pray for you? What would happen if you build a relationship with God? What happened if you get to know you're married to him? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you are a bride to the bridegroom. I mean, he is yours and you are his. And what would it look like to be in that relationship? What would it look like? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me make a point. Because many of you are like, I get it, the fruits of the Spirit. But listen, an inanimate object cannot have love. An inanimate object cannot have joy or peace. So when we read the scripture, we miss that it's actually the attributes of the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it like this. My wife has this thing she does, and I don't know where she got it from. And I think it's cute just in case you're listening in right now, boo. But she says, yes, no, no, yeah. So I'm like, hey, you want to go to the grocery store? Uh, No, yeah. Yeah, no. I have no idea which one she's actually saying. Sometimes I don't even know if she knows if she's saying yes or no. And if you hang around Julie enough, you are also going to start to say no, yeah, yeah, no. It is a virus that's spreading through all of her circles right now. What does that mean? You always pick up the characteristics and the attributes of the one that you spend the most time with. And so somewhere along the line, Julie hang with, with a yeah, no, no, yeah person. And now she's a yeah, no, no, yeah person. The thing is, as you spend intentional time putting on your worship music, and just sing it out before the Lord, praying. As you spend time reading the word, and you're journaling, and you're entering into communion with him, you are going to start to speak the language of love, the language of joy. Your face is going to be animated with peace and patience and kindness. You are going to begin to become like the person you're spending your time with. He is a person, and a person has attributes. As a matter of fact, all the time, I hear people, even people in ministry, even people who have, have, you know, I've preached in front of large crowds. I've led worship in front of people, but I hear the way they talk and they're like, oh, we can't afford that. Or they say things like, oh, that person. And they start to talk negatively about someone. And it violates my conscience because the more time I spend with the Holy Spirit, the more I become like him. And the more I surrender to his voice, I say, wait a second, the Holy Spirit doesn't talk that way about people. When I hear the Holy Spirit, he's declaring their future and a hope over them. He's not reminded. Wait a second. The only person I know who reminds people of their past is the devil. And you've got some Christians who sound more like the enemy than they do like the Holy Spirit. But can I just tell you, it's because we know about the Holy Spirit. We listen to sermons about the Holy Spirit. We sing songs about the Holy Spirit, but we do not spend time in communion with the Holy Spirit. But the more you get into his presence and lean into his breath, 
wrath. You will get into his mind and you'll say, wait a second, why am I believing God for a building on Long Island? I should be believing him for two buildings because that's the voice. See, God speaks the language of certainty. God declares a thing that's not as though it is. God, God doesn't say, oh, woe is me. God says, I am that I am. And when you start speaking like that, you're, you're not going to say, woe is me. You're going to say, I am single, but I'm believing that it's either a gift of singleness or I'm believing that God is preparing a mate for me and his timing is perfect and my striving has always got me in trouble. So I'm going to align my voice with God's voice. Or you say, my husband, he may not have gotten the revelation yet, but heaven is working on my behalf and he is going to be all that God's called him to be even when he doesn't look like it. Start speaking the language of heaven, but the way you access the language of heaven is to allow the culture of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit to be the way that you live your life. Because right now, it's like you two are bad roommates and it's like you've got your ways and the Holy Spirit has his ways and you want to be in a pity party. You want to be in doubt and fear and anxiety. You want to be in all this apprehension and fear and the Holy Spirit saying that violates everything about where I'm from and what I'm about and somebody has to choose to lose. And when you yield, you say, you know, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit have his way. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 says it like this. And do not, everyone say, do not. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a command. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain grief. I've uh, unfortunately had to do many funerals as a pastor. Grief is simply this. Grief is an emotion. The Holy Spirit, right? Joy, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, but then there's grief. So if the Holy Spirit can enable you to learn more about true joy, true long-suffering, true peace, but then also the Holy Spirit can be grieved, we must understand his capacity for that emotion and how our lives produce grief or a grieving process to begin to occur in the emotions of the Holy Spirit. Because I think right now many of you are probably like, well, Pastor Mike, I thought you were going to talk about speaking in tongues or prophesying. But here's the thing. Much of the power that we seek from the Holy Spirit is power to feed our ego. It's power that we want people to look at us and see our supernatural abilities and what our parlor tricks for God because we're insecure in other areas and we love how much power that we feel when God, oh man, the Lord's, oh man, you feel that? He's helping me build my business. I'm getting wealthy. Oh, God's helping me do this. And really the Holy Spirit has become a genie in the proverbial bottle, not your Lord that you surrender to. And so I, I really felt convicted by God not to preach a message on spiritual power and speaking in tongues and all the things that we so, you know, earnestly seek after, but to say, well, wait, wait a second. What if Instead of the Holy Spirit not just being like a trophy wife experience where you say, wow, look how beautiful my wife is. Look how much prestige it gives me to be with her. But instead you say, what would it look like to lay my life down in service to my wife? Because far too many people want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when it comes to ministry, but not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when it comes to convicting them for their own sin. So we're, oh, I know that was dirty. I'm just telling you, we're going there. So the Holy Spirit says, stop sinning. 
I don't want to hear you right now. Then you get in front of a crowd of people and you want to look like the man. You want to look like the woman and you want God. God, please let me heal that person. Please let me prophesy. Please let me say something deep. And God's like, but you want my voice now, but you didn't want it in the stillness and the quietness of your own life when I was using the same voice to convict you of sin. And if I can have the kind of church that's not seeking God for supernatural powers, that doesn't want to look like the prophetic guru, but a church that says, I will not grieve the Holy Spirit, then we can move in more power than you've ever seen the church move in before. And this is deep. I'm just telling you. Therefore, now this is in Ephesians chapter 25, to read the context of a scripture, what you do is you read what comes before and after it. So Ephesians chapter chapter 4, verse 25, if you were to go up in the passage to read, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. In other words, it was saying, yo, I know you're going to be angry. Everyone gets angry. It's not a sin to be angry, but don't sin while you're angry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't be bitter and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let them labor, being honest, work with, their, with his hands that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. You know that talk that makes all your friends laugh? <laughs> what a great joke. Well, the Holy Spirit was grieved. Oh man, you're the queen of sarcasm, but the Holy Spirit was grieved. And oftentimes we pick, do I want to make this person laugh or do I want to grieve the Holy Spirit? And we pick this person, but then we so desperately want the Holy Spirit to meet our needs when we're in our time of need. And I'm just telling you, I pray that this wounds you in the healthiest way possible so that you can mature in the things of God. Lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Stealing, um, being bitter and anger, even not giving, holding back, it grieves the Holy Spirit. A corrupt word, evil speaking, gossiping, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And you can't say, God bless and provision my business, my marriage, my singleness. God bless and provision my home. God do all these things for me. And yet I'm take, 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 take. You're the roommate that I want you to live my life the way I want to live it. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit, but here's the source of grief. And and, and this is kind of as we come to a close. It's not always a salvation issue. I'm not trying to say that every single time that you go into that lifestyle, it's like every time you sin, it's like, all right, that's it. Here's the trap door. You're going to hell. It's not sin that grieves the Holy Spirit. It's the loss of intimacy because he knows how much the sin hurts you. And the biggest lie that we believe from the enemy is that sin won't hurt me. Matter of fact, we lie because we believe it will benefit us. We steal because we believe it will benefit us. We say a corrupt word because we want to lift ourselves up. And by talking down about that other person, we feel that it lifts us up. But he knows the depths and the depravity of that sin. And he's saying it's a loss of intimacy because I cannot cohabitate that space now. And I long to be close to you. You know, he he grieves because of that loss of intimacy. You know, I think it's important that you understand this in this next season because God does want to empower you and bless you like never before. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we have to listen. But see, bondage is a road and freedom is also a road. What do I mean by that? 
It's like you don't start out as an alcoholic the first time you drink. It's repeatedly going down that road and selecting, you know, that, that you're just taking that counterfeit and now you're on a road to bondage. It's like you say one lie and now you got to say another lie to cover up that lie and another lie, another lie. Or you gossip about that person. So now to speak life over that person would make you contradict yourself because you've already murdered them with your words. And so now you're trapped in that sin and you're on this road to bondage. But see, freedom is also a road. Freedom is also also a process. You, you could grieve the Holy Spirit for years, but then turn around and say, I am no longer going to grieve him. I am on a new journey. This is a turnaround. Can somebody just say it? A turnaround. And as you are turning around, come on, a turnaround. You say, I am on the road now to freedom. You know, when I look back at my life and I was wrestling with this sermon saying, God, Give me what these people need. I want to feed our people with a rich revelation. You know what he told me? He said, Mike, I want to take you back through your past. And I want to show you how many times you didn't know what to do, but I told you what to do. I taught you. I guided you with wisdom. He took me back to my daughter, Bella, being diagnosed in the womb still because they had had this imaging that they did and saw a tumor growing in her brain. And it was the Holy Spirit that told me, make a bold declaration, son. She is going to be healed and, the, and the, they're going to marvel at it. And all of a sudden, I made that bold declaration to our whole church and all of a sudden she was healed. It was the Holy Spirit who said to me, after watching my wife, Julie, go through two miscarriages, now we're in our fourth pregnancy and she's pregnant again. And I'm already starting to say, well, here it goes. The floor is going to drop out again. We're going to experience that loss. And it was the Holy Spirit who spoke to me and said, Mike, declare my word over her womb. Go into the bedroom, point to her womb and begin to declare my word and this pregnancy will not go down like the others. You will see this baby full term. And all of a sudden I walked in the room, I'll never forget. I pulled the covers back. I lifted up Julie's shirt and I begin to point to her stomach, to her womb. And I begin to say, you will live and not die and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I started to declare what God said over her womb. And sure, enough, Everly was born. It was God who began to lead me in 1998. I, I had no real ministry. I was preaching in a couple churches here and there, and I was over intercessory prayer. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in 1998 and said, Michael, I know that you don't know how. I know that you don't know how, know when, but I am going to give you your own church. And as I give you your own church, those who are in distress and in debt, those who are discouraged, those who have been disenfranchised with other ministries, other churches who have been burnt out, and he began to prophesy and speak the future to me. He said, they're going to draw themselves unto you, and you're going to go on mighty exploits in my name. And I didn't know it was going to take over 20 years later, but here I am, V1 Church, standing in the promise that the Holy Spirit spoke to me before I had the bank account, before I had the team. He spoke to me before Bella was born, before Everly was born. Every single time the Holy Spirit has been faithful, a faithful witness to me, a faithful witness to me. And so it's with that I say we simply cannot grieve our best friend. We can't grieve the one who's championing our lives, who's championing our purpose, the very one who breathed breath into us and set our feet on solid ground. We must preserve that relationship and say, I will not ever grieve the Holy Spirit 
spirit because what he thinks is so much more. I want to declare something over you in closing right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 says, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but by taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope, the God of hope, not the job that gives you hope, not the spouse that gives you hope, not the sex that gives you hope, not the money that gives you hope. The God of hope will fill you with all joy. And it's the only joy you're ever going to get is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you says all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It's the only hope we'll ever have. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 took an introverted young child and turned him into a foaming at the mouth, spitting preacher. He says, but you will, that's a promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Luke chapter 11 verse 13 says, if you then who were evil know how to give good gifts, this is parallelism, good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give you the best gift. And V1 Queens, I'm going to say it like this. What if the gift that your heavenly father wants you to receive this Christmas is the best gift you can receive? And it is him in all of his glory with all of heaven's resources invading every weakness of your life, coming into your mind, your heart, your soul, your will and emotions and saying, I will do the impossible through you if you'll yield to me. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 says it like this. And we're going to close right now. Or do you not know? It's a question. I want to ask this apostolic question to you right now. And do you not know? Think about this every time you look in the mirror. Every time you hate yourself for being something that you wish that you were or weren't. Every time you wrestle with the mistakes of your past and where you came from and the shame of decisions you made. Here's the question. Do you not know that your body, your flesh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God. And it says this with an exclamation mark, and I'm going to end it like this. You are not your own. And so if you will turn your life over, I want you to just bow your heads right now. If you will turn your life over to the Holy Spirit today in perfect yieldedness to Him, you will receive a miracle for your life. Father, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.